0: our our minds and our thoughts fixed and focused upon the Lord Jesus. Let's read our text together this morning. The Bible says, though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing that raised up against the knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And we are ready to punish all disobedience whenever your obedience is complete. Let's bow our hearts together and let's ask God's blessing as we look to God's word together this morning. Father, we thank you so much for your goodness and grace Thank you for the presence of the Holy Spirit, and we thank you for Jesus and our salvation, God, and that we can be here today and worship you, Lord Jesus. We thank you on this day of thanksgiving for full bellies, for warm clothing, for shelter, O God, you have provided it all. Now, dear God, as we look to your word, we ask uh, once again that you would send your anointing Upon this, your speaker, may your Holy Spirit fill our hearts and open up our minds to your truth. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, last year, my one of my aunts, I had several aunts these last few years, passed away. And one of my aunts who passed away, her husband, her first husband, she was widowed and she married another uh, uh, another man and and uh, he he has passed away as well but her first husband uh... was, was quite an artisan uh, and he had many things in. Uh, and, and she actually had many things in her condo that my uncle george actually made uh... he painted beautiful pictures and he did a lot of wood carvings and, and mostly they were wood carvings of birds He has one was an elephant but uh... many of them were birds and uh... And when my aunt passed away, uh, she designated certain of those pieces to, to me and my brother. And uh, I, got, uh, I got a beautiful picture that he painted of, a, of an old sailing ship uh, in the Midnight Seas, just gorgeous. And um, I, got a little, I wasn't supposed to get a little sparrow, but I did get a little sparrow, and everyone seems to like the little sparrow. And my brother got some, too. He got a little seagull and he got a life-size woodpecker. And it's, it's, it's about yay big. And, and it, it is beautiful. It looks, you know, if, if you took a picture of it, you put it in a street, took a picture of it, it would look like a woodpecker. And, uh, and so my brother got that, and I think he was supposed to get that. Um, and, uh, the only, and it's great. And he has it in his living room. But because his living room isn't that big, and this is really a big piece, it just really doesn't fit. In fact, I asked him, uh, you know, how do you like the woodpecker? And he said, (laughs) Taking nothing away from what my uncle did. I mean, he, beautiful. And it was a beautiful, thoughtful gift that he got when my brother got it, he said, this is great. I just don't know what to do with it. (laughs) Sounds like some of you have gotten gifts like that before in your life as well. (laughs) I can tell you some things I found in church that uh, miraculously disappeared. (laughs) They just didn't fit. But moving to matters of salvation moving to our to spiritual matters as far as our relationship with the lord jesus christ when we accept jesus christ as savior we're given this big beautiful awesome priceless gift a gift that surpasses all others not only as far as the depth of the love the care Greater love has no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. But a gift that will never die, a gift that will last forever, not only does it last forever, this gift grants you entrance into eternity, a bliss which no man can even hope to conceive of. But having said that, Some people, when they receive Jesus Christ in their lives, and they receive this big, wonderful gift of salvation, of Jesus actually living within them, they wonder, now that I have this beautiful gift, now that I have Jesus, where does he fit in my life? Where do I put him in my life? How how do I do I live my life with Jesus now on board? And the answer to that is this. Jesus doesn't fit in your life. In fact, if you think that you can take Jesus and not, now that you've received Jesus, you can kind of put him into a a certain area of your life, and I'll explain what I mean by that as we progress through the message this morning. You truly haven't understood yet what it means to be redeemed, which means bought back. So the question is not, where does Jesus fit in my life now? The question is this, how do I give myself completely to my Lord and Savior Jesus, who has bought back my life from sin, shame, and bondage and granted me life eternal. Which brings us to our topic, which is mind control. And we've talked about um, how, especially in this day and age, with everything going on the pressures that are going on with uh all the you know devices that we have I was sitting in you know and it's not just young people I'm sitting in the doctor's office just the other day waiting to have my blood drawn four or five older people in there just buried in their phones and I get it waiting rooms awful <laughs> and and you know, funny, I was looking at a magazine and not only was the same magazine there that's been there for weeks, it hasn't even moved. It's in the same exact position that, that it was. But we're a people that constantly have to be stimulated and, and so if we're not stimulated, we we lose interest. And as I mentioned before, Science actually, studies actually bear that out, where, where the attention span of the average American has gone from 20 to, to, 12, to uh, 8, no, I'm, I'm sorry, 12 seconds to 8 seconds. And of course, you know, the goldfish has a 9-second uh, attention span. So, But when you come to Christ, not only are we to have disciplined minds, And no longer on, you know, the filth and the garbage of the world. If we're to truly serve God. The way God has called us to be served. And if we're truly to receive or experience. Everything we possibly can. From our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Our minds need to be fixed Holy on the Lord. I shared this scripture before by way of introduction and I share it with you once again from Matthew 6, 22 and 23. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your whole eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of Darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness. And of course, the King James Version translates, verse 32, uh, translates that verse, the eye is the lamp of the body, if your eyes are single. We're to be single-minded people when we accept the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord And as Savior. And what I mean by that, and and you can call it fanatical because it is, and I think we need more fanatical Christians if the church is going to be what it needs to be and, and be a witness the way it needs to be. We need to have a mind consumed about Christ. About knowing Christ. About living for Christ. About... Uh, 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 sharing, sharing Christ growing in Christ spending time with Christ learning more about Jesus Peter puts it this way in uh, 1 Peter chapter 1 verse uh, 13 therefore prepare your minds for action keep sober in spirit fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ Once again, what is this verse saying? We cannot live our lives with a sloppy mind. And what I mean by that is this. I said this before. This is just recap. Where we just let our minds go wherever they go. And wherever we find our minds, we just kind of stay there. Because if you live that way, you're headed for trouble. Our minds as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, because we serve an awesome, powerful and holy God, because there is much work to do because there are much many things that are trying to pull us away. We need to take you and I willfully, take control of our minds and keep them fixed wholly on Jesus, and that's not just from Matthew six. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. Many others. I think of Isaiah 26, verse 3. Thou shalt keep him in perfect peace whom whose mind is stayed on thee. Brother and sister in Christ, we have been called to be single-minded people. Which basically breaks down three ways. Number one, seeks to glorify God. been bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body, 1 Corinthians 6.20 Seek to love Christ, if you love me you'll keep my commandments Seek to bless others, Romans 12.10 Be devoted one to one another in brotherly love Give preference to one another in honor So what does that mean? Does that mean that you and I and in fact, I would be violating this this morning. You and I, since we've had accepted Christ, we should adopt some kind of medieval monastic lifestyle. You know, uh, I, you know I'm not, I've never been Roman Catholic and I can't say I've done a whole lot of study on, on, on Roman Catholicism, but there, there's a certain, there's certain images that come up to my, in my mind I'm just speculating these things. So, so if you're out there and you're uh, an expert on the monastic orders, uh, talk to me afterwards. <laughs> but you know, when we think of, especially like the medieval monk, you know, we think of those great haircuts. <laughs> hey, I think Henry had one during the 60s. I <laughs> no, he know, no, he'd... Henry's back, Jim, so I can lay off you and pick on him. <laughs> Actually, Henry had more like this. There's some great pictures of Henry, but that's neither here nor there. But, you know, you think of the, the, the plain hair, hairstyles, no possessions, the very plain robes, taking vows of silence, spending a lot of time praying and reading. you probably have a, a table, a chair, a bed, a, a spoon, a fork, a bowl, probably just eat porridge. Uh, you do good works of service, actually, which, which is a good thing, it's a blessed thing and, and an admirable thing of, of, of monks. But, but seemingly a, a joyless life with all these things in creation. I'm not talking about the pleasures of sin. But all the you know, the beautiful things, some people might even think this, all the beautiful things that are in the world today, that, that God has not only provided for us has enabled us to enjoy we can't have them because we've accepted Jesus and so my my life needs to be somewhat of a a, a christianized medieval monk that's not Jesus that's not what Jesus said i think of john chapter 10 verse 10 The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. And of of course, this primarily speaks of, of new life. We have eternal life. It also speaks of a new spirit. You know, the peace, love, and joy, and confidence. I couldn't stand up before you. I couldn't preach the way that I preach if it wasn't for the Holy Spirit, because I have no confidence in myself. There's confidence when the Holy Spirit is is upon you. But there are other things in life that God has provided that if you know Jesus, not only is it permissible for you to enjoy... You will enjoy them more than even before you accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. What things do I mean? Well, one would be, and this is near and dear to a lot of people's lives. It's it's not it's not the most important thing, but um, it, it is it is something that that's important not only to God but uh, especially to men as far as their their psyche. That being our, our careers, our job, our work. And all work is honorable. And it is, it is something that, uh, you know, God hasn't called us, or when we accept Christ as the Lord and, as Lord and Savior, just to kind of give up on our jobs and just kind of, you know, let God take care of us Not that he won't, and definitely those who can't, he definitely would, and the church should assist in that. Or that you cannot, because there's personal fulfillment in this, you cannot excel in what you do. What do I mean by that? Or or why do I say that, I should say? Well, reading Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28, here the Apostle Paul references work, he says, he who steals must steal no longer, but rather he must labor, performing with his own hands what is good, so that he will have something to share with one who has need. Here, not only Paul says working with your hands is good, but if you're able... It's necessary not only to provide for yourself, but to be able to provide for others. That going right along with that, as far as working. And I don't care if you dig ditches or you're a brain surgeon. We should strive with all of our hearts to do the very best at what we do. Why? Colossians three twenty three and 24. Whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve. It's an important part of your witness to be the very best worker, whatever you do, to be the very best that you can be. doesn't mean you're going to be perfect, and if you're not perfect, there are no perfect workers. But let me tell you what I have found. There, I've had a number of jobs in my lifetime. Some I was, as far as production, if you want to use that term, Some I was very productive or proficient. Others I weren't. But they always appreciated me. And jobs I didn't do that well, they just moved me to something else rather than get rid of me. Why? Because, number one, I I served God and I wanted to honor God in everything I did in my speech and my mind. It wasn't always perfect. I had to ask forgiveness sometimes. But number two... I tried to do the best job that I could possibly do, and people appreciate effort. What a testimony to someone who knows and serves God. And let me tell you, I've worked, I remember one place I worked with a guy, he had, forgive me for saying this, he had the biggest mouth running. And he talked a lot about the Lord, but he was a lousy worker, and his testimony was nothing. Um, but getting off the subject. Family is also a wonderful gift that God has given us to enjoy. In fact, this goes along with, with, with the other things in life that you and I are not only free to partake in, but if we know Jesus become so much better and so much more rewarding. King Solomon writes in Ecclesiastes 9, verses 7 through 9, Go then, eat your bread in happiness and drink your wine with a cheerful heart, for God has already approved your works. Let your clothes be white all the time, and let not oil be lacking on your head. Enjoy life with the woman who you love all the days of your fleeting life which he has given you under the sun. For this is your reward in life and your toil in which you have labored under the sun. Think of families. Do you realize one of the greatest gifts that God has given you is family? I and mean, Now I know in every family there's always a certain amount of dysfunction and I know some families have been marred horrendously by sin. And I get that, and I respect that. And may the Lord help you work through that. But the intent of family is, I believe, the second greatest gift that you can receive from God, second only to His saving grace. Why? Because the gift of family is the gift of love. The Bible says the greatest of these, faith, hope, and love, is what? Love. And and one of the greatest, most enjoyable, rewarding things that there is, is number one, to give love, but also to receive love. And God, in, in His wisdom, in creating man in his own image. You know, God is a family. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Three, The three in one. God created family. Children, parents, brothers, sisters. Friends. David said of Jonathan, the, the love of Jonathan was better than the love of women. God doesn't call you to sacrifice. Your, I'm going to leave my family and, and, and just, you know, live for Jesus. In fact, may I say this, if you leave your family, you're not living for Jesus and you need to go back and take care of them and love them. They need your love and you need theirs. Is also the gift of rest. I enjoy my day off. Will I answer my phone? Well, as long as you're not Jim (laughs) Saparita. From the very beginning, God instituted a day of rest. And it wasn't for him, although it was something that God ordained and put into worship that we would remember that the earth was created in, in seven days, but it was so that you and I could rest and enjoy ourselves. Jesus said to them, Mark two twenty seven the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. You have a Saturday off. It's a beautiful day. The birds are chirping. The fish are biting. Go out and have a good time, enjoy it, and don't feel guilty about it. Amen? God has provided that for you. This is my favorite food. (laughs) It wasn't last week, I'll tell you that. Food and celebrations. You don't have to live on porridge and stale bread. First Timothy 4, 4 Peter, uh, uh, Paul says to Timothy, everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with gratitude, for it is sanctified by means of the, of the word of God and prayer. Of course, not only has God provided for us Delicious foods. Isn't it wonderful how, how, how there are so many different things? And I know some of you don't like carrots. Well, well praise God. God created green beans for you. You can enjoy them if you don't <laughs> like the carrots. Amen. And what has been interwoven both in Old Testament and New Testament worship are celebrations, gatherings, parties. Parties. Those are good things. We shouldn't shun those things. We should come together and rejoice that we can come together. Rejoice in a birthday, a marriage, an anniversary, a promotion. Hey, it's Tuesday. Let's have some cake. (laughs) There's nothing wrong with those things. So, But the question now comes, how, how, do, how do we put these things in proper perspective? And how do these things flow from our lives if we're called to be a people who are focused, whose, whose minds are disciplined to the point where we are just consumed with Jesus? I just want to know Jesus. I just want to be filled with His Spirit. I just want to serve Jesus. I want to be drawn closer to Him. Well, it fits together this way. Heart and mind that's centered and focused on Christ. Everything that God, every blessing on this earth, and there are many blessings, you know, family, food, whatever it might be, rest. When you are consumed With Jesus, all of these things now flow through your relationship with Christ and therefore now are made sanctified or made holy. They actually become part of your worship. Can you imagine? Have you ever ever considered or do you realize, I should say, that your job is not only your ministry, it's your worship to the Lord Jesus Christ. Whatever you do, do it with all your heart as unto the Lord, and the Lord will reward you. It's just as as important as as coming into church and and serving God here, is serving your employer's well, your family. It is sanctified. It is made Holy. And because it is made holy, then it becomes blessed. Your 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 family becomes blessed, your job becomes blessed, your food becomes blessed. As far as your celebrations. And mealtime is more than just stuffing your face with chicken and biscuits. It's time where you're glorifying God and sharing with others. Um, I think, I think we've lost family mealtime in, in some cultures or in some aspects. But the problem we have, I know you thought you were, I was finished, but I do have a few more points left. The problem we have as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ is dealing with something that's common to us all, that being ambition. Ambition. And what I mean by ambition is this. We, we want Jesus. We, want, we definitely want eternal life. And we want forgiveness. And we, we want to be able to go to him in our time of need. And, and we enjoy, you know, worshipping and, and so on and so forth. But we, st- we still want to be the center of our universe. We want to, especially in this day and age. You know, sacrifice, the the greatest generation, World War II, is gone. And everyone's just kind of living for themselves right now. God help us, including the church. Churches are tailored to satisfy people, not worship God. Sorry for saying that, but it's true. We're the center. We're we're consumed with ourselves. What can I get? And so we try to compartmentalize. Didn't practice that word enough this week. Compartmentalize our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ by by putting it just in a certain area. Kind of like I I remember um, I used to uh, service. I used to be a pest control technician and I serviced um, Johnny Depp, the actor, his mother's house. And she had a room that was kind of dedicated to Johnny Depp her pictures and awards and different things in there. Um, and, uh, and, but it was just one room. The rest of the room, we it was a huge horse farm um, in, in Lexington and, the, but the rest of the house, but they, you know, and we kind of try to do that with Jesus. You know, just, we have this one area, this one room. And, unfortunately, I think people find a comfort in this. The room usually looks like this. Where God, you know, I go into my Jesus room, or the Jesus area of my life Sunday mornings, my five-minute devotional, my little book that I get, and I read five minutes in the morning and say a couple... Uh, minutes of prayer. Or three, my, when I have a problem or a crisis, then I go to God. And the rest, the rest of my time is mine. I've given Jesus, you know, I go Sunday mornings and I worship God and I'm thinking about God then. In the morning, you know, they say I'm supposed to read the Bible, so I'll read, I'll read my, my scripture and then the rest of the, the, rest of the day is mine. And and when I'm speaking specifically of this morning, my thoughts. And then, of course, when we're in trouble, we all of a sudden start really praying, crying out to God. And the rest of the time, we're just thinking about, you know, what we want. What our true goal in life, which is not knowing Jesus better which is not experiencing more of the presence of God in our lives, which is not learning more from his, his word, which is not saying, you know, I'm out, I'm out in the world today and I'm looking for opportunities to glorify God. You know, I, I punched my time on Sunday and in, in the morning I, I gave God my, my, my token efforts. And I, I'll share with you how this plays out in real life from a pastor's perspective, because pastors wrestle with this, and I'm not just talking about pastors who who you know have departed from the faith, and there there are, um, for lack of a better term, apostate pastors who no longer believe in Jesus, at least the Jesus that you and I serve, no, longer believe in in, in the atonement of Jesus Christ and the necessary uh, our necess- you know, the necessity for you and I. Uh, to receive his saving grace in our lives. But other pastors, now we're not taught this in school, but we all have this ambitious pull that is pulling us to, to, to three things um, s- success, or um, success in ministry which usually comes in the form of numbers. One of the most... It shouldn't be. If there was just one person who came this morning, I shouldn't feel any different than having all of you here. Or if there were 50 more, I should still feel just as satisfied. But sometimes in saying, God, what I'm doing is, is unto the Lord. Uh, and and I'm going you know, and I just want more of you, and I will do whatever. I can get caught up and, and consumed with being successful as having more more people in the seats, and a, a, a day where we have lots of people is a good day, and a day where we only have a smattering is, is a bad day. So my mind, how how can instead of my mind just knowing Jesus better? Having more of Christ in my life, my mind is consumed with how can I be more successful? How can I have a bigger church? God hates that. Some, unfortunately, are, are into riches. and there's, there's nothing wrong with money. Uh, you know, as a teacher of mine once said, it isn't everything, but it is something. But some people are hoarders. And I'm not talking about those people on uh, you know on those television programs with just garbage everywhere i'm talking about people who just accumulate more and more and more kind of like the bible whom the bible calls a rich fool i'm not here to judge any man but but the man who built bigger barns instead of taking of his abundance and giving it to others jesus said Calls that person a fool, a fool, and I'll just leave it there. But let me tell you, the money bug has caught many a minister, and their goal is their offerings. Uh, and then, lastly, um, people can get swapped up uh, or caught up in fame. And wanting their name great. The money maybe not a great thing, a big deal. And maybe, maybe not. I guess, I guess all these things kind of interact with each other because if you don't have a lot of people, then you, people aren't going to listen to you. Unfortunately, today, people are so much concerned with what you say, they're more concerned how many people listen to you. Um, but I'm, I'm, let me get back on, on the subject this morning. How can how can I get my name out there? How can I be well thought of? How can I be more influential? You might say pastors don't. You don't think pastors are at least tempted by that? You don't know pastors. <laughs> In fact, I've heard more than one pastor at at. Um, Uh, there's a conference down in in Georgia and uh, I've heard more than one speaker at that conference rebuke the young ministers and young and older ministers who are listening to them who are only concerned about getting thumbs up on Facebook or retweets on Twitter, which, you know, those aren't on social media, you know, And having a large following online. Who cares if you have a large following online? Is that what you're doing it for? So that people will know your name and maybe they'll put up a plaque? And this just doesn't happen to pastors. This happens to everyone in every aspect of life. I have Jesus, but I'm more concerned about having things someday I'm going to work my tail off in order to get a BMW. That's my goal, life's goal. How sad that is but there are people who are like that. Or I'm not going to stop until I reach the, you know, I'm the president, I'm the CEO of, of the company. Nothing wrong with those things. But if your mind is consumed with success in career, it's, It's not where it should be. It needs to be consumed with knowing Jesus. Some people's lives can, in an unhealthy way, be consumed with their family. These would be, I would consider, you know, like the helicopter parents who wish they could wrap their children in bubble wrap and walk with them wherever they go, even though they're 43 years old. You know what I'm saying. Or the spouse who calls his wife... 10 times a day because he wants to know where she is and what she's doing. You're consumed with that person and not Jesus. In fact, let me tell you a story. There was a lady. I stayed with her and her husband and uh, I, re- I really gleaned a lot from her as while well as I was interning. And, and she, she shared with me how she needed to give everything up to Jesus and she said the one thing I had the hardest time was my daughter. I love my daughter but I had to come to the point some point in my life where I said God, you have to come first. As much as I love my daughter, you are first. Even health. P- people say, um, you know, my body's a temple. Yeah, but you don't worship the temple. You worship in the temple. And if you're so consumed with your body where you're spending all this time and on. Uh, on, on your body. Nothing wrong with exercise and eating right. I think that's important. That's wise. But some people are consumed where it, it literally captivates their mind every waking moment of the day. A mind that's divided as far as ambitions that has any other ambition other than to know Christ, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, Philippians 3.8, I think, is in for, I wrote down initially, and I'm just going to leave it that way, is in for a world of hurt. Not just you won't be as blessed as other people. You're in for a miserable life. Why? A double-minded person feels like they're torn apart. They're a person between two kingdoms, and so they're never at rest or at peace with themselves. All of us, I think, have been between two parties, two friends. You know, they both hate each other, and you're trying to keep them together. Or two family members. You know, my my sisters don't talk, and I talk to them both. Cannot serve God and mammon according to the word of God. It will lead to a very frustrating, torn, confused relationship with God. And then, second, because your heart is on other things, spiritually you're going to be empty. And that's a really, really bad place to be empty. God just doesn't want you to know that you're saved here. He wants you to be filled to overflowing with the express blessings of His love, mercy, pay, grace, and peace. Let me share this verse by way of conclusion. Colossians 3, 1 and 2. Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not things that are on the earth. I'm not here to judge anyone here today. I hope everyone here, your mind is steadfast on the Lord Jesus Christ. But if it isn't, today's the day just to begin. Forget about the past. You know, once we repent, once we turn, as far as God, God's concerned, it's over anyways. But the best time to start is, is right now. Today, I'm going to live my life wholly consumed on Jesus, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. Let's stand and let's sing today. Facebook, thank you so much.